Welcome to another episode of Code for Thought. In this episode of Bite Sized, we talk about code reviews, and in particular, how we can integrate them with managing your and your team source code in a GitHub repository. This is the accompanying episode to the interactive Bite Sized RSE session from the 15th of November 2022, run by Jeremy Cohen from Imperial College and Steve Crouch from the University of Southampton. Although this episode is aimed at junior engineers, we assume you've heard of the Git version control system and of the GitHub platform or something similar and may already have an account there. But let's start talking about why we do code reviews in the first place. Experienced programmers will of course be familiar with it. And indeed, code reviews have a long tradition in software engineering. As early as 1976, Michael Fagan published an article in the IBM Systems Journal called Design and Code Inspections to Reduce Errors in Program Development. Since then, code reviews have come a long way and play an important part in software development today. In actual fact, the rationale for code reviews is pretty straightforward. The aim is to reduce errors in program development, as Michael Fagan said in his title. But more to the point, it's also to reduce errors early and before your code gets released to the end users or applied in earnest. As your code and the list of contributors grow, it will become increasingly difficult to find faults. Some bugs may take days or weeks or more to find and resolve. Some may indeed never be found and some you may not even be aware of. But apart from avoiding bugs in keeping and raising the overall quality of the source code, reviews also serve other important purposes. For instance, your team may define a set of coding standards and styles, so to make it easier to maintain the code in future. And code reviews are a way of ensuring that the team actually adheres to them. Reviews can also help to optimize the code and find inefficiencies and improvements in performance. And finally, reviews also foster an environment in which each one of us can share and improve our skills, so they are a very important learning opportunity for the team. For most teams, code reviews are indeed bread and butter stuff and a well-established way in which software is developed and delivered today. But even if you're working on your own, which does happen in research of course, you will benefit from having someone else casting an eye on what you have done. How code reviews are done differ from team to team. But a good place to start is to make use of built-in code review features that come for free with source control management platforms such as GitHub, GitLab or Bigbucket. So let's see what you can do in GitHub to set yourself up for reviews. The best way to ensure that you won't forget to do a review is, well, to enforce them. In GitHub you can do this by setting so-called protection rules for branches of your repository using pull requests. But let's step back a little bit to understand what that actually means, in particular to see how branching in Git fits into this. When you create a new repository on GitHub, say, a single branch will be created for you. This branch is the main line of your source code. In principle, you can develop your code without ever having to leave the main branch. In practice, this is almost never done. Branching from another branch or from the head trunk creates a child branch that will take a snapshot of the parent at the time of branching and maintains a version history for any changes you make on the child branch, 
independent of what happens on the parent. In short, you can start changing code on the child branch without impacting the code on the parent. This is absolutely essential when you work in teams. After all, you do not want to have your colleagues change the code while you're working on it or the other way around. Teams usually define a way how branches are being used in their software development cycle. For instance, you may consider the main branch as the code line for production and software releases, a child branch called development or integration for new features. In addition to all of that, it is common practice to create temporary or short-lived branches for any tasks that you and your colleagues are working on. Once the task is done, the code changes on the temporary branch will have to be merged back into the parent branch. And it is at this stage that we want to introduce some safeguards. In GitHub parlance, this is called a branch protection rule, which I mentioned earlier. You may configure this using the settings menu in the navigation bar of your repository in GitHub. Once in the settings menu, look up the branches option under the code and automation section on the left. Once selected, you will see two options, one for setting and renaming the default branch and one for setting protection rules for specific branches. GitHub and others provide you with a range of options how you can set up protection rules. The rules can indeed be as strict as you like, ranging from no merging allowed unless reviewed and approved by at least one other person to permitting users to override any of the rules. So let's say that you enforce strict rules and that any code change needs review and approval when you merge a child branch into your parent branch. This means that you need to create a pull request in order to be able to merge your changes from your child into the parent branch. When creating the request, you can nominate an approver. GitHub will show you that a new pull request is available for review and you can even set notifications so that the approver receives a message. You can then inspect each of the pull requests available, see the code change history and see the actual changes in the code on a file-by-file -file basis. Using this technique on GitHub or in other platforms is a great way to get you started with code reviews and integrating them into your workflow. But of course, tools like GitHub, GitLab and others can only go so far in helping you. In fact, it is you, the reviewers and indeed the development team that need to breathe life into any meaningful code review. Because after all, a code review on GitHub can indeed be turned into a checkbox ticking exercise. For instance, there is nothing to stop a reviewer from simply accepting or rejecting pull requests without even looking, which is hardly in the spirit of what a code review should be. GitHub is only one way how code reviews can be facilitated and they do not replace the necessary interactions between you and your colleagues. Only you can make code reviews really happen and get the most out of them. As we will hear from the following interview in a minute, it's important to do reviews in a respectful and constructive manner. For instance, as a reviewer, it helps to be specific about what it is you like to change and the reasons why. It helps to offer alternative solutions and put some effort into understanding why the developer did it the way they did. In return, as a developer, having my code reviewed, it helps to understand that it's not a question of being criticized. The task at hand is to see 
if the code can be done in different ways to hear different points of views and possibly to discuss improvements. It is a perfect and excellent learning opportunity. There are also practical ways in which you can help a code review. For instance, by submitting small changes more often, rather than sending a monster pull request with significant changes to many files, which would take a reviewer a long time and a lot of effort to go through. In short, the best way to conduct a code review is to do that in the spirit of collaboration rather than competition. Performing code reviews as part of a GitHub workflow is, of course, only one way of doing them. And some may even say that GitHub introduces code reviews rather late, or even too late in the development process. Extreme programming, for instance, moves the code review into the development process itself via pair programming. And there are other techniques, of course, as well. Once you start getting into the habit of performing code reviews, say on GitHub, it pays to look around a little bit more and find out more about it. Which brings me to the interview I had with Thibault Lestang, who has been running code review workshops in Oxford and has been building the code review network. Hello, Thibault. Welcome to the show. We're talking about code review today, but before we do that, could you quickly introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hi, Peter. Uh, thank you for having me on, on the show. So I'm a, I'm a research software engineer in the Department of Aeronautics at Imperial College in London. And I mostly work on computational fluid dynamics on a couple of software packages. I'm also point of contact for the, the researchers and, and the students in the department for software engineering. Okay, you're also a, a fellow of the Software Sustainability Institute. And I believe that one of the themes for your fellowship is code review, isn't that right? Yeah, it's something that I've been interested, uh, I think, for the, over the past couple of years. I started in Oxford because I was working in the Oxford Research Software Engineering Group for over two years. And we have, I don't exactly recall how it happened, but I remember that we had this conversation and now we had a shared office. And uh, we were talking about somebody in the physics department who was expressing the need for something that was close to code review. It was about feedback. We had this idea of having a network spanning the whole university. It sounds quite ambitious now that I say it. <laughs> a way for people across the University of Oxford to look at each other's code. The idea behind that being that if you are a physicist writing some Python, you could look at a, at a chemist's Python and be able to have variable insight. Maybe not on the science, but on the code. You'd be able to tell the chemists, I think this variable is misleading or... That's an interesting way to write this algorithm. I'll take that and apply it to my own code. So we started this, what we call the Oxford Code Review Network. So you've run actually workshops on code reviews, haven't you? Yeah, following this, I think the Oxford Code Review Network, I think started maybe a month before COVID, before we, we got set back home. So we organized a launch event online. A lot of people showed up, there was interest, but then it was hard to actually manage like this community online. It's still there, but I don't think people use it that much. And then the next year, over the next couple of years, through the software sustainability, I became a software sustainability institute fellow, as you said. I met with other soon-to-be fellows, Dominique Valerio, uh, yourself. I think we met uh, through that as well. We talked about organizing a workshop. We did that. I think it was uh, last year. The point was to introduce code review. That there's a lot of ways that it can be very effective and efficient, but there's also a lot of a lot of ways that things could not be as efficient. For somebody like yourself and myself who've been 
uh, programming for quite a while. Code Refuse, we know what it is and we've been doing it. But in your experience and, you know, since you've done these workshops, how widely known is it actually? What's your feel for that? Yeah, I've got a clear feeling that it's not known. You have to, I have to be very clear that this is my observation of my own little world in a place that I've worked and the people I've talked to. But if you do the exercise of actually going into Google and you say code review in research, if you look for code review, you'll find a lot of things, but it's all about, you know, it's Microsoft, Google, software companies. You will find a few blog posts about code review in an academic, academic research in a research software context, but that, there's not that much. Something that people think about when I say code review is that they image in, they picture something that's closer to a peer review because they know a peer review, right? As a researcher yeah. or a research software engineer, you know that, you know, you write a paper, you send a paper, it's peer reviewed. They think of code review as the same thing for code. And actually it, it would be something that's very interesting as well. And right? probably we need, and actually there is a, I can give a shout out to CodeCheck, but the review happens at the same time that you publish the papers at the very end. Whereas what we're talking about, I think here, code review is something that occurs throughout the research process. What are the key gotchas of code reviews? I was listening to um, Michaela Greiler. I think she used to work at Microsoft. She has a podcast. I think she coined this remark that code review is hard because it's a technical exercise. Right? You have to read mm. code and you have to understand somebody else's code. We all know this is something that, you know, people don't want to do this. It's hard. It's really taxing. Mm -hmm. it's, it takes a lot of, of brain energy. But at the same time, it's a social exercise as well, because you have to face mm -hmm. feedback, okay? You have to accept criticism. And you mix both, and both is, your code review is both a technical and a, and a social exercise. That makes it difficult. One typical gotcha is feedback, right? How do you phrase feedback as a reviewer? You, 95 percent of your brain is is trying to understand the meaning of a small function naming things is really hard right so i can't even make up yes. a, a name but it has a very misleading name you, you, what you think about it is you could say well this function has this really bad name and that's valuable feedback if the person that you say that to is not in a position to be very vulnerable there's a agreement between yourself there's going to be feedback some of it is not going to be very nice to hear but it's about the code right the reviewee is okay with this idea If your code is reviewed, it can be easy to feel like you are attacked as well. The first actionable thing is, as a reviewer, make sure that you think before you, you phrase your feedback. Like instead of saying, right. I think this, this, this function's name is rubbish, you know, like you could really have done a better word. Mm. But don't say that. Just say the purpose of this function would be much clearer if you called it this way. You make it clear it's yours and you propose an alternative, it's not about the person, it's about mm. the code, right? The, the function will be, yes, it's longer. It's, it's longer to say this than to say this function's name is rubbish, but also mm. it sort of protects the other person's feeling and it's more predictive. Um, so that's a lot of work on the reviewer side. So as a reviewee, like remember that the person who is giving you feedback is already putting a lot of effort. It shouldn't be about you and, and be open to, mm -hmm. for your code to be criticized. And, and it's, yes, it's your work, but it's not your person. And remember, The most important thing above all is that nobody writes perfect code. It's not like a physics or a math problem where there's one solution and you got it right or you got it wrong. Software is not like that. So it's about being respectful uh, on both sides. For the reviewer, obviously, to bear in mind that the person who wrote the code didn't deliberately do anything wrong. Uh, sort of there might yeah. be, as you say, there is no right or wrong. Sometimes in code, it's a question of interpretation. Sometimes it's also a question of convention. If 
For instance, a team decides to adhere to certain coding practices or naming styles, then it's important that the team members actually follow that because otherwise it makes the code hard to read. So that's actually quite hard. How do you get to the point? Because uh, sometimes you hear from somebody who's reviewing your code and you feel immediately attacked or defensive. What kind of mechanism can you put in place in order to avoid that from happening? And the consequence of this is that the discussion can quickly not become very productive. The first mechanism, I think, if you want to try to set up some code review in your group, the one very important advice is that everybody is aware what it means and everybody is given the same pep talk <laughs> or the same advice. This is, we're all doing this together. This is about the code. This is not about your work. The first thing that we want to do is we want to raise the quality of our code, not because we're bad programmers, because mm-hmm. we all know in this room that it takes more than one person to write good code. So it's about code quality, and it's also about learning from each other and growing as mm-hmm. a team. And these two things, right. I think, are not that present in academia. Because if you look at why do people do code review in an industry, it's not actually that much because they want to find defects. Because nowadays, mm. we've got very good testing frameworks and test- testing methodologies. It's about getting the people in the team to know what the other people do, and then spreading knowledge across. And if you do that at the scale of a small research group, say you've got three postdocs and five PhD students, I mean, you can, mm. you can make wonders. And when I leave the group because I'm going to another postdoc, mm. my knowledge is not lost. I would like to finish with a question about GitHub. Maybe you can comment quickly about GitHub and Refuse. I think it's obviously valuable. Um, it provides a user interface on, on code review. Um, it's a great entry point, right? If you do code review, it's much mm-hmm. easier to use GitHub, GitLab, or Codeberg, or Bitbucket. You can comment on lines, and there's a central place. I just want to stress that this applies to very specific contexts when people work on the same code base. Right? If you work, mm-hmm. if you're on your team and your colleagues work on the same code, then yes, you can use these tools. But what if you are in? A, I'm thinking in terms of research software and, and groups that I see where you've got a group of uh, postdocs and PhD students and researchers. They don't necessarily co- collaborate on the same code base. They all have their own code and scripts and and tools. But then they would still benefit from code review and they would still benefit from looking at each other's code, even if it's not the same code base. So it's good for teams and team code bases. But when people work individually, the important message is they can still benefit from code review, but then the mechanism probably has to be somewhat different. Maybe the other solution is to go the other way is to to make sure, okay, why do we need to actually have our own separate code? And could we actually have share a library that aggregates all of the scripts and the visual, like standardize the way we do our visualization. And so we have this library that we share and therefore that now we can do, now we can leverage all the tools that fit this context. Okay, Tivo, thanks very much and Thank all the you, best. Peter. Thank you for listening to this episode of Code for Thought Bite-Sized. The content and the interactive bite-sized RSE sessions are created and run by Jeremy Cohen from Imperial College London and Steve Crouch from Southampton University. The podcast episodes are produced by Peter Schmidt. Finally, we'd like to thank Universe HPC for their continuous support. And with that, goodbye.